we are in their family. Mm-hmm. Choose not to believe it. We are their children. Sometimes we are the wives, we are the husbands, we are the brothers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The numbers speak for themselves. Right. We are in their families. Yes. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Anya Fombad, and I spark the heart conversations that challenge questionable cultural and societal norms that threaten the well-being of the African community. And I also share stories about growing up as Africans in Africa and in the diaspora. I strongly believe that normalizing open discussions and sharing experiences, whether good or bad, will not only make you find your voice, but will broaden your sense of purpose and empower others to do the same. So if you have ever tried challenging certain African cultural and societal doctrines, or if you have ever felt like it is about time that we confronted these issues in our African community and do better as a people, or even if you have always been interested in learning about the experiences of other Africans growing up in Africa and the diaspora, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Living African. Right. And I think, Mark, you know, for one of the things I always, I, I say preach, because I thought I was supposed to be a preacher. So I start talking on social media. <laughs> That's my way, my form of church is that the more visible the LGBTQ community becomes, the easier it is for families to realize that their cousin, their children, their parents, their mothers, because I I know people that are gay and they're like 80 years old and they're in the closet and they're married to the opposite gender and their children have no idea that the mother is gay and they go on social media and beat up people like me. Yeah. When I know that mother is gay, I mean, my job is not to, never to out anybody. Yeah. But the more people that know that they have LGBTQIA family members, mm-hmm. the much more compassionate I believe they'll be. Yes. The more empathetic I believe they'll be. And that will now drive the government to change their laws because these yeah. laws were created to accommodate the leaders of ma- most uh, religion sections. All across Africa, it wasn't like people were sitting in their living rooms eating a karandudu, yeah. you know. And Yashukura said, "Okay, today I think they should change the law of these gay people." Who, you know right. what happened? What happened is that the religious leaders got together and said, "Okay, homosexuality." And usually, what happens actually? What happened in Nigeria in 2012 was that the president at that time was being scrutinized for all the money he had you know, embezzled. Mm-hmm. And in order to divert the attention from himself and his wife, yeah, he brought out the LGBTQ law that was pushed by another gentleman who's a lawyer, whose mm-hmm. son came out four months ago as gay. Wow. The lawyer Oputa that pushed the bill, his son came out four months ago. That's gay as a $3 bill. See, Whoa. this is why I continue to ask the LGBTQIA community, yes, it's hard being out there. It's very hard, believe me. Even at our level, you know, we don't need anybody to pay our bills. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's very hard. Become the best version of yourself. Because I really honestly believe that a lot of parents are very worried about their children being like Bob Risky and a whole lot of, you know, other people that are out there born yeah. naked on social media. I mean, I've had somebody tell, somebody came in my inbox a few months ago, almost eight months ago, saying, oh, my God, I'm in medical school and I'm gay. Thank you so much. Your wife is a doctor. I never thought I could be a doctor. Hmm. You know, people are coming out all the place talking to us that we mentor not to become gay or be gay, but just to become the best version of themselves. I'm a certified life coach. A lot of our time is spent. You know, spare time is spent on coaching people, them gay, straight or whatever they might be, you know, become the best version of yourself and then empower yourself. Mm -hmm. And then we can push when more of us are out there saying, hey, you know, Nigeria is losing out because I'm a doctor. Nigeria is losing out because I'm whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm an engineer and I could be in Nigeria, but your law is 
Meow, I see yes. the value that we bring to the table. But yes. right now, when you look at the people that are out there, social media, that are LGBTQIA, they're part of the naked brigade. I'm gay and I don't even like them. Not mm. personally like them, but I don't like their ways. I don't mm. like the way they represent us. Yes. That's why when a pastor speaks and says, oh, well, see, they're, they're demons. You know, they're possessed by evil spirits. Mm. Well, but naked. I might even think the same too. Right. Everybody has a right, I must say, to do yeah. what they want to do. Yeah. But we also must remember that our actions impacts other people's lives. Yes. Because when you are one person and you have enough money because you're dating the right political person, yeah. Right? Or the public, you know, and you have protection from the political sector yeah. of a particular country. Mm-hmm. And you are there flaunting your life, butt naked on social media, saying whatever it is that you want to say. Yeah. The people that are listening, the local people that are listening to you are thinking, oh my God. He's going to start and steal my, my husband. And they be thinking that lesbian woman who's really minding her own business, just walking down the street to go wherever they're going, mm-hmm. is going to try and steal my wife. Yeah. So become socially conscious as well and accountable for how we present ourselves out there. Yeah. So the governments will change when people change their ways. When yes. we start to take accountability for yes. the things that we put up. Yes, Yes. thank you so much for that truth. And um, I mean, like you said, we have to really be mindful of our actions because they have consequences, especially on people's lives. I mean, to think that you try to take your life three times and I, I don't even think the people who were putting all those horrible comments even knew that, you know, because things like that could literally push someone. I mean, someone who's not even suicidal to commit suicide, you know? So, um, you know, this is just a plea for our community to be, just be more sensitive to certain topics. I mean, you don't have to agree on everything, but be respectful of people's choices. You know, um, I, I just don't know how else to say it. And funny enough, the people know that they need to be respectful, but they just want to, I guess, say something, which obviously doesn't end up you know, turn out being right. Um, And Mrs. Sola Wilson, thank you so much for everything that you had mentioned, especially about, you know, the people reaching out to you. And that's what I also wanted to talk about, you know, because I know on social media, you always state that, you know, a lot of Africans or even Nigerian LGBTQ members actually reach out to you um, on so many, you know, with so many stories about, you know, what they're struggling with, either those that are gay and afraid to talk about it and stuff like that. Can you just um, not necessarily share the stories that they share with you, but just give us a synopsis of the reality that such people go through behind the scenes or in the closet that we on the outside may not really be aware of and we tend to be insensitive about. One of the hardest stories, a young woman um, that I was mentoring her friend. Yeah. Take your time. I was mentoring her friend and they're both butch young women. And I was so excited because finally, you know, this young girl, they said she was schizophrenic, but she wasn't. She's just very depressed because of the way society treated her in Nigeria. One of the things that we do is we try and empower people. You want to be a tailor, we'll send you to school. You want to be, go to get your master's. We have a not-for-profit that's self-funded African LGBTQ. And this particular young woman, committed suicide on my watch. And I say my watch because they were part of my tribe. Yeah. And they abuse. If I can sit here in a 6,000 square foot house with a Corvette and I, I, I go through so much pain because of the things that I said to me. Imagine a young girl in Nigeria, 20 years old, just starting her life with, just try to make something of herself. Yeah. She committed suicide. That was the hardest piece for me last year. Was it last year or the year before? Last year. That threw me into a frenzy. And because I'm an empath as well. Yeah. I read stories, I see their words, not what they wrote on paper, but I can see and feel what they're going through. Yeah. 
So I will talk to people and say, hey, it's Moji, what are you going through? And then they'll tell me and we'll try and sit on, even if it's just to listen. Yeah. Because being able to tell somebody I'm gay is like releasing yeah. the cap off of a boiling pot. Yes. You know, last year, three young Nigerian people committed suicide. Oh my goodness. That we know of. Yeah. And that's very hard. Yeah. I have people in my inbox on IT saying, oh my God, you guys are so amazing. You give me hope. And, you know, I, people call me and say, I don't think I can do this anymore. I had a young lady in last week and said, I can't do this anymore. And Timoji, you don't understand. I to a man and I can't stand him touching me. I have other ones that are married to men. They have guns and they, their heart is being broken every day. Yeah. You know, because they're just living a lie and they can't do it anymore. And I understand because I've been there. Yeah. And then when you do even come up, when you do come up, people come up to me and say, hey, you used to be married to a man. Why did you change your mind? Yeah. I had a mechanic ask me about months ago, <laughs> like even if I was a heterosexual, I would marry him. <laughs> he said to me, he's like, why would you go and marry a woman? I asked you to marry me. And I'm like, I don't even know you. I never met you. You know, and then it was a mechanic. I'm looking at me and go, hey, I don't, you know, we've all up, like, I would do even meet. Yeah. So yeah. when people become keyboard warriors, they yes. need to understand that you might as well take a gun and shoot that person. Yeah. Because the person that told me right after we got married to go and jump off the Varazona Bridge did not realize that I had tried to kill myself for being gay. Yeah. Did not realize it wasn't once, it was three times. Yeah. So you telling me to go and jump off the Varazona Bridge could have triggered something in me that would have made me end my life that day. And you're, you know, there's something also very important that even the people that we think are really truly not allies and the worst ones are the ones in the closet. Yeah. Because it was a very difficult year for me. I'm a social media commentator. I have other friends that do the same and I think they're cool with me. Yeah. Up in the morning after having dialogue with a influenza, because she has 35,000 followers. I don't have a lot because I'm gay. And it turns out she wrote this whole piece about me and ripped me apart. Because I said, I, I don't encourage lesbians, because she said on her page, that lesbians, if men don't um, step, their wives will become lesbians. And I went to her page, not behind her. And the wives said, will be taken by lesbians. The wives will be taken by lesbians. And I said, please don't do that. Because don't speak on things you don't understand because the men will now be going after women that look like my wives, believing yeah. that they're the ones throwing us out. Yeah. woman for a whole week dragged me on, on name it, for wow. a whole week. And now she opened the doors for all the homophobes mm. to come to my page and say all kinds of things about me. But eventually what happened was I found out that this particular person was a bisexual woman. Oh my goodness. Because she said it on a recording that she sent to me. Oh my goodness. So we ourselves break ourselves. But one thing we all know when you become a spiritualist is that when people don't love themselves, it becomes yes. very hard for, for them, them to, to love, love other people. Yes, that's true. So self-love is one of the things that I preach. If you ever on my page, you'll see I tag it. Love yourself. Yeah. Authentic matters. All the yes. stuff. Because everything starts and stops with us. Yes. So a lot of the stories that are shared with me on social media, they're very painful. There's nothing we can overcome. Yeah. Once we own our authenticity. Yes. Everything definitely. comes with a price. A price, my prayer is that it's not more than we can afford. Because when we got married and decided to become a union, mm. we lost friends, we lost family, but we gained friends and we gained yes. family. And family is not always blood. Oh, yes. Family True. is the people that come and love you, love on you, accept you 110%. Yes without any excuses. 
And they, for, for those that are sitting out there thinking, they're on the fence thinking, should I come out, should I not come out? You have to decide for yourself if you want to come out or not come out. You have to decide if it's worth the price. And you can't come out for anyone. You must yes. come out for yourself so that when the hit gets, feels like a sauna, you can validate yourself and your choice to yeah. be out. But yes. for every one person that comes out, what we do is shine the flashlight to the tunnel to guide others out of their darkness. Oh, yes. Yes. Thank, thank you guys so much for, for that. And just for the work that you do, especially, um, you know, to empower such a marginalized community. And I can only imagine, I mean, what they're going through is definitely hard. And I can also imagine how hard it is for you to hear all these stories and, you know, be in a helpless situation, you know, because these are people who eventually make tragic decisions for their lives, you know, to take their own lives. But it's like, I honestly believe, you know, if you could help them out and stop that, you could. And I can only imagine the frustration, you know, in addition to every other thing that you may be going through. Um, I, I really, really, really sympathize with you, but I, I also commend and, you know, really encourage you to just keep doing what you're doing for the community. I mean, when I personally hear these stories, I, this one question I always ask myself, I'm like, if Jesus was here, would he rather people take their lives or live in their truth? You know, I always ask myself that. And I think Jesus would rather people live in their truth than to take their own lives, you know, because I think he was that sacrifice enough. He sacrificed himself enough for us and he would not want anybody to sacrifice their lives for their truth, you know? So um, I, I really want to just take this moment to really thank you both for that. Now, um, moving on to trying to sensitize the community. I know that we're probably way past, you know, that, but I feel like it's also an important thing to always serve as that reminder to the community. Uh, so in an effort to sensitize the community, um, what do you both think is, you know, um, basically is most important for the LG, uh, for the African community to understand about members of the LGBTQIA community? You should take this one because you're realist. Um, I would say the thing that's most important for them to understand yeah. is that we are, we are everywhere. Yeah. Yes. Right? We are in their family. Mm -hmm. Choose not to believe it. We are their children. Sometimes we are the wives, we are the husbands, we are the brothers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The numbers speak for themselves. Right. We are in their families. Yes. And a lot of Africans act as though this concept is so alien and it's out there, it's someone else. Mm -hmm. So when they preach hatred, even when they pass casual comments. Yes. Right. You are heard and people hear you and believe. The number of times when we've been in the closet and we've had to sit through aunt this or uncle that yeah. or your mother or your father mm. just saying something casual and derogatory about oh, yes. someone who might be gay. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. That for me is the most important thing. This, this challenge here is not about the other person. Mm. It can't be about the other person. Yeah. Yes. It's got to be about us. Yeah. Mm. So I think the most important thing for the community and for people listening to your show today, mm -hmm. their comments, if they really think about it, mm. they'll realize a couple of things. Someone in their family, yeah. perhaps even they themselves, right. are LGBTQIA. Mm. One in every 10 people are wow. gay all across the world. That's a high number. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is a moment where everyone has to sit back and look into their lives and look into their families, because some of them may actually be LGBTQIA and don't even know it. Or some of them may actually have suspected someone to be, but they just keep ignoring it because they don't want to believe it. You know, so I feel like this is the moment where, you know, we really have to take that mirror, like you said, and look at ourselves and um, and make that decision. And of course, to be and, and figure out what's the best way to approach that, you know, and not necessarily bashing and judging people and stuff like that. Um, so what about you, uh, Mrs. Sola Wilson? Like what well, I, how I, do you want think, the African community to, you know, know about the LGBTQ community? I, I honestly believe it's, it's very important that they know that 
homosexuality was in Africa way before the white man stepped foot. That's true. On there, very true. Because an education is a passport to a freedom. When you do research and you find out that, because I studied Ifa, mm-hmm. I, when I was trying to connect with God, mm-hmm. one of my biggest, um, the biggest experiences was reading the different paths. Yeah. And then when I stumbled across Ifa, which is a traditional Yoruba that's being practiced in Brazil, all over the world. How do you I spell realized it? that, wait, IFA, okay. Ifa, mm-hmm. and Orishas. Mm-hmm. So in, in, in Brazil, they call it Orisha worshippers. Mm-hmm. In Yoruba land, they call it Ifa worshippers. Okay. Now, Orishas are like mini gods. And then Eledumari is the god. It's like mm-hmm. in the Catholic church, they have God. And then they have St. Michael, St. this, St. Yeah. that. Mm-hmm. In the religion they have Olodumare which is the I am that I am and they have mm-hmm. you know Shango, Shokono, Eshu and all kinds of other gods, mini gods. But I realized that Oshu of the river mm-hmm. was said to have been what I call transgender mm-hmm. and Shango when she goes inside the water she's a woman when she comes out she's a man. Mm-hmm. So if Shango was in love with or she, who happens to be a man inside the water, then Shango is gay, mm. you know? And then when you look at the traditions, the traditional rulers of Africa, there's a Ghanaian queen who mm. married a woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's many, many people in Calabar and all that area of Nigeria in the north. Because when I came to my mom, I said, I'm gay. She's like, oh, nothing new. And here I am playing hide and seek for majority of my life. Hmm. Wow. So what you don't realize is that homosexuality has been in Africa way before the white man came. Yeah. It wasn't until the evangelicals came to Africa that now it's a bad thing and let's kill the gay people because they're demonized, they're de- you know, possessed by demons and things like that. We are just like you. Yes. This is called double spirited when a man is very effeminate or when a woman is, and they were celebrated in those days. Yes. You know, way back then they were celebrated. They were considered a higher level mm-hmm. than the average people like you and I. Mm-hmm. So we need to understand that we are all, you know, it's, it's, it's very difficult to explain to a heterosexual Christian, African Christian, born in the traditional, born and raised in a traditional African home mm-hmm. in the city. Mm-hmm. But when you start talking to people that are allegedly uneducated, yeah. This is like not even on the, it's not even on their, they don't care. They're rather, yeah. These are people that are uncivilized. Yes. And they're the most civilized people that I've ever met in Nigeria. And when I talk about Nigerians, the most, the people that I connect with the most are the people that are coming from a spiritual background, not a religious background. Right. And they're usually the ones that are not civilized. They're the mm-hmm. ones that live in their farms and yes. feed the whole thing and take care of their brothers and sisters. Because that's what God wants. Mm. So they're not spitting quotes from the Bible, mm-hmm. but then being, mm-hmm. you know, God-like or Jesus-like. Yeah, and that's what I believe that most Africans need to understand that the more segregated we become, the more you know, um, uh, the more homophobic we become. Yeah, the less Africa will thrive. We can right. see today what's going on with Nigeria. Mm. We can see today what's going on with Ghana. Mm-hmm. Yes, they believe they're doing well, but Ghana could be doing a lot better, better. if all the LGBTQs that even when they open the gates of Ghana and let everybody come, Americans come in thinking they the could be American. Yes. But with your homophobes, the yeah. people that really have the finances are not going to come. Yeah. Because half of the people in the entertainment business deal with LGBTQIA's of their lives. Yes. So they know where the bread is buttered. They know that if they dare take them Ghana up on that offer, mm-hmm. they will be boycotted just like that South Africa was. Yes. See, when you start to hit people in the pocket for the LGBTQIA, stop spending your money with people that don't support you. Mm. Stop buying merchandise from people that don't support you. Start empowering each other and building businesses. Don't give you a seat at the table like Tyler Perry says. Build your own and invite your, your own. own tribe. Yes. Build your own. And that's what we've been doing. That's why we're building our own village. Yes. Yes. Nigeria yes. says we can't come. Right. So my wife and I bought a 40-acre property and we're creating African village. 
Yes. Yes. I, I heard a lot about that village. I'll actually talk about that later to give you guys an opportunity, you know, to tell our audiences about it. Um, but I just wanted to highlight, you know, a piggyback off of what you said about um, homosexuality being in Africa, like way before, you know, the, the, the evangelist, the Western evangelists came in because I actually had to do that research for myself because I, whenever I had some discussions with some people, I saw some comments, they're like, oh, that's the white man thing. They should carry their thing and go back to America or to the West and stuff. And I'm like, but I, I don't think so because um, I did my research and this is not, you know, like those, those are just ignorant comments because they hear that a lot and then they just believe that lie. But like you rightfully said, I mean, homosexuality is like the, the ancient royals back in Africa. They act actually practice homosexuality. And that was something that was glorified. It was not like forbidden or a taboo or something like that. So um, for those who were culturally entangled, you know, in that false narrative, it's actually not true. Like it was way before the Western evangelists actually came to Africa, who actually brought slavery, if you think about that. But that's a discussion for a different day. And they brought the Bible. <laughs> right. Uh, so, um, yeah, about the village. I just want you guys to talk more about that because it's something, I mean, I don't really know much about it. I just read um, a few uh, excerpts about it, but I am super excited. And that's probably one of the places that I will be visiting in the nearest future. So I wanted you guys to just talk more about that. Go ahead. Oh my God. I will never shut up. <laughs> but so we, last year, uh, my mother-in-law died and we could not go home because yes. of the LGBTQ issues and such. Yes. So we had decided, you know, um, to find a weekend home because they have tornadoes and all kinds of crazy weathers here mm -hmm. in Houston, you know. And so we decided we were going to find a place to go. And we were looking for a place for almost a year and we couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. Again, at 3 a.m. in the morning, magic happens at 3 a.m. for me all the time. Mm -hmm. So I found this piece and the red dirt was what attracted I'm a falter. I'm a realtor. I'm a real estate broker. Mm -hmm. And I spend most of my days looking at properties and looking for properties to buy and fix and sell. Mm -hmm. And this one just hit me in the core. And then I sent it to Mark and I'm like, you got to see this, you know? So we went to visit it and I just right as I'm stepping out of the car, I just like crying. Oh, I'm so emotional all the time lately. I must be menopause or something, but it just brought me back to my childhood. Yeah. And it brought you back to your childhood. And we, we looked at each other and we said, this is it. And, you know, we we had been all over the place to buy houses or buy. We put in a few offers and the offers were not accepted or something. It just never clicked. Mm -hmm. But this one, it just it just felt right. And it has a three. Those, it has a three acre lake on it mm -hmm. and it has fish. People go there for fishing now. Mm -hmm. It has a labyrinth. Yeah. That's you have to tell that story mm -hmm. of the labyrinth because you're a Catholic. Mm -hmm. When I knew this place was divine, it was destined for us because we moved out of the New York. Mm -hmm. And of all places, we're coming to Texas, Texas Black lesbian yeah. coming to Texas. Everybody kept saying, why are you doing that? But we came because that was the message from the universe. That's what God told us to do. And we came. Yeah. I had no idea. My wife works internationally, so it didn't matter where we lived, but I worked in New York. I own a real estate business in New York, yeah. but we still came. We followed, we came in faith. So when we saw this, it just felt perfect. And we the property, not even knowing about the lab, labyrinth. Mm -hmm. Please talk about the labyrinth. It's important. Yeah. And I think the other thing to add to this real quickly is a lot of people approach us about Solar Wilson Village like we're running a business. Oh. We're not. Okay. Um, this for us is a mission and it's a passion mm. that stemmed from a couple of things. Clearly, like any other venture, you know, we're, we're not offering it free of charge, right? Because mm -hmm. it has yes. to sustain itself, et yes. cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But this is not a commercial concept. No. Mm -hmm. If you think about the discussion that we've had thus far, and Andy, you, you know, Anya, if you think about the way people perceive Africa today. Yes. You know, um, you share with people that we're Nigerian by birth, you see this bulb go off in there. It's almost a mental equivalent of, um, you know, that stereotypical 
um, scene where the white woman clutches her purse when she sees the black man. The black man, yeah. When we say we're Nigerian, you see that reaction and you can just see 419 scammers going yes. off. Yes. The image of Africa that's portrayed in the media today is nothing like what Africa was when we were growing us, up. Yeah. Yes. And so when we stepped into Solar Wilson Village, it was so reminiscent of Africa, it's difficult to describe. Yes. And we felt that we wanted to create a haven, a sanctuary, Mm. where people who had never been to Africa before could come. An experience, yeah. And we could offer a a truly African um, hospitality experience. We also wanted to offer that to Africans Mm. who have forgotten what true African hospitality looks like. Yes. It does, it's, you know, it's it's, um, religion agnostic, sexuality agnostic, skin color agnostic. True African hospitality is if you are a stranger, you are welcome and we will care for you. So from both aspects. And the labyrinth is an interesting story. We didn't realize that originally, that place was owned by, um, it was actually offered as a sanctuary to Catholic priests. Oh. And this is where paths collide. And the Catholic priests used it as an area of meditation. Yeah. Huh. Um, and they built a prayer labyrinth, hmm. which is like a maze that you can walk along and as pray as prayers. you go, which still stands till today. Yeah. Wow. So just an interesting it's wow. a powerful uh, one of the things that one of the many good things that's been said about uh, from uh, by our guests about Solar Wilson Village is that it's very peaceful. Mm. You know, it's um, very serene, very serene, mm-hmm. and um, just people find peace there. Mm. And I believe that it's holy land. I really, right. in my heart of hearts, because the spiritual connection that I have. And we go there, it's just unbelievable. I have never felt so at peace on a piece of property mm-hmm. like I have felt here. And I've been in real estate for 30 years. It's right. just amazing. And I think it's important to say real quick, yes. it's in the heart of Texas. That's nice. People warned us about that. You can't possibly be doing this. You can't, why are you even living in Texas? And they painted all sorts of stereo possibilities. Mm-hmm. This whole experience has taught me and taught us bias, unconscious bias yep. holds us back from a lot of things. Yes. Sex has been warm and welcoming. Yes. And the people in Ledbetter, Texas oh my God. have been nothing but warm. Yes. It's been a learning for us. Yes. Blown yes. every single stereotype to bits. Wow. Yeah. That's that's very powerful. Thank you so much. Um, and so if people want to come visit the Solar Wilson Village, um, how can they um, get there? Like where can they go for resources, like maybe a website, something like that? They can go to www.solar-wilsonvillage.com. Okay. We're also on Airbnb and we're on Verbo as well. Okay. But if you go to the website, there's a link to click mm-hmm. on to book. We are a wedding venue. Mm. Event venue, if you want to do birthday parties, yes, um, reunions and all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, we have the space for it. Right. We can have, accommodate 500 people outside mm. and on in the inside of the building, 75 or 50 or something very comfortably. Mm-hmm. But we have a lot of grounds. It's 40 acres. I mean, and we're right. still scaling. We're still building more properties on there. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and you said that's in Dallas. No, it's in Ledbetter, Texas. Okay, Ledbetter. Ledbetter is between Houston and Austin. It's, okay. it's one hour, one hour from Houston, mm-hmm. one hour from Austin, mm-hmm. four, five hours from Dallas. Okay, okay, yeah. perfect. Thank you yeah. for that information. So um, my very last question that I have for you both is um, what advice will you give to our African brothers and sisters who are still in the closet and terrified of expressing themselves? Here's what I would say about that. Everybody has a different journey, right? But I hear people say things like, you know, you've got to come out of the closet, you've got to be visible. No one can actually dictate that for anyone else. Mm. The first exercise in coming out is actually coming out to yourself. Yes. And here's what I would say. If you are 
African and LGBTQ and in the closet, know that you are okay. You as a person are okay. That is the first battle. That's the first thing I would say. The second, I would say that for those who are fortunate enough to know each other, having and seeking a community that you trust is important. Whether they are LGBTQIA or not, Mm. allies come in different sections, different colors. So having that small trusted community that you can lean on and you can still stay in the closet and do that. The third thing that I would say is give your family the benefit of grace. Mm. You described my mother. Yeah. And my mother was my best friend in the entire world. I knew she loved me. I knew she would be there for me come rain or shine. I have one brother who was also the same. Mm. And yet I trust with who I really was and who I really am. A lot of LGBTQIA people in the closet, their one fear is not about what their boss thinks. Mm. It's about what would my mother think? Mother, yeah. And I say, give, I cannot, you know, tell you whether or not you should tell your mother or not, or tell your parents, I can't. But give them the benefit of the grace. And if you have a family member who truly loves you for you, don't assume that they are just like the rest of them. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I would say it's about coming out to yourself, accepting yourself for who you are, and understanding that there is nothing wrong with you. Yes. And I totally agree with you. For a 56-year-old woman that lived a lie for over, well over half of my life, I will tell you, if you're in the closet, first and foremost, Understand, like Margaret said, nothing wrong with you. Because the reason why we all hid or hide is because we think we're defected. We believe that God did not create us. We believe that God does not love us. Let me tell you something. All everything I've achieved or I had achieved before I came out is nothing compared to who I am today. And I mean mentally, yeah. emotionally, financially, any kind out there, but you stand up and look in the mirror and say, hey, I am great and I'm okay with it. You don't have to run around and carry the flag and all that. We're not all meant to be. You know, we all have our own way of being an activist. Yes. You accept who you are. Empower yourself, please. Make sure that you're self-sufficient. Make sure that you don't depend on somebody to pay your bills. Because the moment that you depend on others to pay your bill, that you are and who you should be. Yeah. When you become the best version of yourself, if you want to be a mechanic, be the best. If you want to be a toilet cleaner, be the best. At that point, it wouldn't matter to them if you're gay, straight, sexual, trisexual, any kind of sexual, right? Or even Greek card sexual. Just know who you are and own who you are because God saw you so special. That's what I believe about me. Yes. God saw you. And said, you are special. I'm going to make you absolutely fabulous. Yes. And make you not white bread. Literally. So you got to lean into who you are. You don't have to carry the flag. Don't be shouting all over like Moji and Margaret that you're gay. Just live your life. Because if you don't, you will never get to experience what true, authentic, unadulterated, pure love of self. Yes. And others feel like. And one last thing, I'm not encouraging anybody to be gay. We don't advocate for people to switch sides. But if you are gay and you are going through it, reach out to us, AfricanLGBTQ at gmail.com. We don't gayness. What we preach is authenticity. And what we do is give you guidelines and will point you in the direction of a therapist if you need one, a life coach if you need one, a whatever it is that you need, the tools to become your authentic self. Yeah. And to become the best version of yourself. That's what we do. We don't pay for parties, we don't pay for security at gay parties. Yeah. And we don't encourage people to cheat on their partners, yeah. straight gay or otherwise. Right. I think the other thing that I would like to share with the African LGBTQIA community particularly for the younger adults, 
who are, you know, perhaps just starting their adult journey yeah. is to really think through the decisions that they make as a result of societal pressure. Hmm. I think one of the challenging things that we often see are people who are either lesbian or gay who make a decision in the closet and then they make a decision to marry someone of the opposite gender, right? Which is almost like a second layer of the closet. And now you've brought somebody else in with you. Yeah. And then you make that decision to go on and have children. Mm-hmm. And the problem just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So this is not to say that there's any right or wrong. I think what it is to say is just think through those decisions carefully. Mm-hmm. The wrong decision can change the trajectory of your yeah. life forever. Right, right. And I mean, thank you for sharing that. And that, I mean, I know this is channeled towards the LGBTQIA plus community, but that actually applies to all of us, especially as Africans. You know, um, we are we live in such a, a crafted community that, you know, things have to go a certain way, not because they're right or wrong, but just because that's how it's always been. Yeah. And um, from my trailer episode of this podcast, that's actually why I started, because there are so many questionable things in our community that affects the well-being of Africans. But but we just do not talk about them. We don't address them because they've never been addressed. They have never been um, considered or even changed because that's how it's always been. Hey, everything has been swept swept under the rug. So let's just keep it moving. But these are things that with time and especially with exposure, you know, from the social media, the internet, we're seeing how other people of other communities are handling these issues. And then we come back to ourselves and we realize that if we don't talk about these things, they're going to kill us. Literally, there's a lot of people who commit suicide. Um, I was talking to this friend of mine this morning and she was just talking about um, a parent that you know, a, a child told her parents that, you know, she was suicidal and the father told her that she has a spirit of suicide and if she yep. wants, she can go ahead and kill herself and they're going to have more kids and live happily ever after and I was like you must be kidding me yep. you know so it's like we I mean a lot of people do these things for lack of knowledge and knowledge is power and that's why I always want to spark these open discussions and get all of us to come together as we did back in the day either by the fireside or wherever we were and just have these discussions and have these stories and listen to each other you know and try not to be judgmental and just to accept each other for who we are, you know, and um, I just want to thank you guys so much for giving me this opportunity to actually get this knowledge out of you. And hopefully our listeners will learn a lot from it. Now, um, how do they contact you guys in case people have questions? I know you gave the uh, African LGBTQ uh, gmail.com, but how else can they contact both of you? You know, I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook. That's where I do a lot of my shenanigans. So- Okay. But I'm also on IG, Instagram. You can inbox me. I most people tell you I re- I respond within 24 hours because I never know what kind of situation a person is in. So I'm on IG. You can DM me or inbox me on Facebook. I'm out there as well. Uh, if it's anything major, right? Uh, I'm sure you can find my phone number out there. I'm not going to give it. <laughs> But if you want to get to me that fast, the number is out there. My name is Mujisola Wilson. I'm a licensed real estate broker. So the number's there. Do the homework. Right. What about you, Wilson? And, and for me, well, African gmail.com is one way. Right. Emojis generally, you know, sort of the, you take on a lot of the PR work. Yeah. Um, I'm much more comfortable in the background. She brings me in as needed, yeah. um, particularly for our really severe cases. Yeah. Right. Because it's very important to understand that there's a lot of things that I will not understand because I left Nigeria too early, number one. Mm-hmm. And also because I'm a femme and my wife is a butch. Mm-hmm. So because I'm a femme, I don't particularly understand what a butch Nigerian African lesbian woman is going through. So when it gets to the point where I don't think I can help them bring Margaret in mm-hmm. and that's when she talks to people. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm the person, I'm the gate. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, that, that, that makes sense. And lastly, I mean, this wasn't part of the questions I wanted to ask, but I just want to give you guys this opportunity, not giving you an opportunity, but I want to really give my listeners an opportunity to understand that being a member of the LGBTQIA community does not define what you can do in the community. You guys have done so much, especially professionally, you know, in the community. So I just want you guys to basically um, 
tell us what you do professionally so that people can listen and know that strides have been broken and they can break any strides or any ceilings or any walls or whatever boundaries that are basically in their way because you guys have done that. And I want people to be motivated and encouraged that who they love does not define what they can do in life and what purpose they can fulfill. Definitely. I'll go first because your list is like too high. (laughs) I am a licensed real estate broker. I've been in real estate for about 30 years. I am an award-winning realtor, first in many, many, many segments of the industry. Um, I've been flipping, which means I buy and fix houses and sell back to low-income people. Also, I'm a designer. I make hands and bow ties, Afrocentric things that I want my wife to wear. So I created a business called Shuku Accessories. I have a website out there as well. Um, Right now, my biggest thing, uh, you know, we're both philanthropists. Um, We have the African LGBTQ, which is self-funded. We don't rent and all that stuff, Um, which the mission is to empower African LGBTQs all over the world through education. Um, Right now, my passion is inclusion and diversity. This past 2020, because of all the madness that was going on out there with COVID and the fact that we could not go home to, um, I call her my mom, my mother-in-law's funeral, mm-hmm. I decided to take a, a, certificate, a, a certificate course at Cornell University certified as an inclusion and diversity specialist. So what I do now is that I facilitate um, workshops on inclusion and diversity mm-hmm. for small groups and small businesses, um, churches, whoever wants the opportunity to come in. Again, I'm so grateful to God that it made it possible that we don't do things for yeah. So, for instance, if there's a group, an African group out there that wants to learn about how to become inclusive, if there's a church that wants to learn about how to be inclusive, reach out to me. We'll do this thing on a sliding scale. I don't believe in doing anything for free anymore because I believe that people value what they pay for. Yes. I'm, a certi- I'm, a, I'm a certified life coach as well. Yes. So I bring all my experiences to the table and all the education and all the therapy I've been in in 20 years. Mm-hmm. I bring it to the table to help guide people to become the best authentic version. Yes. And then we have Solo Wilson Village that we're building out. Um, I'm so proud of that village. I mean, it's so amazing. We've become... What we're, we're super host on Airbnb and we just became premium host on Verbo. Okay. It takes a lot to be able to accommodate people. Mm-hmm. You know, when you treat people equally all across the board, oh, yeah. you build mm-hmm. a reputation for excellent yeah. service. Yeah, I'm so proud of us. High five. <laughs> and I saw my last child just graduated high school. Oh, two yeah. days ago. He's yeah. off college. So now we can really leave. <laughs> right, right. So yeah. Yes. I love it. You guys stay winning. Oh my goodness. I love it. <laughs> Margaret. You're great. So I, I'm a, I'm a physician. Um, I graduated from medical school really young at 21. I, I entered medical school when I was 16, which is a good thing because I had a pretty long career, which I will shorten. Right. (laughs) Position by way of specialties, um, I always say it depends on what continent you're standing on. But in Africa and the UK, my specialties were internal and cardiology. And then I picked up an additional specialty of geriatrics in um, the United States. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, board certified in Nigeria, the UK, and in the United States. Um, I think a significant part of my career, uh, currently I have a focus on um, global health, uh, but um, before then I um, was on faculty at one of the leading medical schools in um, the United States. Um, when it comes to geriatric medicine, um, I was on faculty for about seven years and was a um, professor at that university uh, Mm -hmm. before I um, joined um, uh, probably one of the largest um, healthcare management uh, companies in the United States. Um, So I currently hold a um, senior executive position um, with um, one of the large Fortune 10 companies, actually, it's in that group. Um, And I remain passionate about um, 
global health care and healthcare systems, improving health systems. Yes. Um, I won't bore you with my you know, academic record, <laughs> significantly published, right. also um, received um, several awards. I will mention one, which was a source of great pleasure, but was also um, a source of great pain. A couple of years ago, I received the Lide Saud Award from Brazil. Hmm. And that is the award that is given to the most prominent name in Brazilian medicine. Wow. As I accepted the award, I thought of the country of my birth, Nigeria. I am declared. Wow. 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 Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's 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 really amazing, but then sad at how um how our beliefs and yeah our beliefs actually limit us because who knows you probably would have been receiving that award from Nigeria, you know. But um, I mean, you, you probably. I just Anya, it's not about receiving the award. Yeah, it's about the work. work. The work. Because yeah. Nigeria has one of the worst healthcare systems in the world. Yes. Well, and to have somebody yeah. like Margaret that goes around the world creating healthcare systems yeah. all across the globe. And yeah. she's been given awards all over the world, not just Brazil. We're yeah. talking Colombia and all these other places. And Nigeria can be fixed. But because she is LGBTQ, they're losing out on that talent. Yeah. I think that's the focus of the, it's yeah. really sad. Yes, yes, that's true. That's true. Plus all the other problems. It's oh, yeah, aside of just LGBTQ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's corruption and all kinds of other things right. in there too, but hey, let's focus right. on one topic at a time. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, thank you so much. Thank you both so much. It's been such a pleasure just listening to your story and getting to know you guys on a different level. Um, I, I, I remain forever grateful and it has been such a wonderful discussion. And I hope that this discussion doesn't end here. I hope that we can all carry these discussions to our various circles and just be real with each other and try to be more understanding and ask the right questions and just treat each other with love as, you know, as we deserve and as Jesus or God will want us to. Um, so we have come to the end of this uh, podcast and I just want to thank both of you so much for being here and I will definitely keep in touch and hopefully we can have more of these conversations in the future. Thank you so much for listening and for being here. Thank, thank you, you so much, Anya. Thank you for having us and thank you for your courage and thank you for the light that you shine and thank you for your voice. Thank you so much. I appreciate it it for today. Thank you for listening to our show. If you want to participate in the show or find out more helpful resources, then visit www.livingafricanpodcast.com for more information or email us at hello at livingafricanpodcast.com. Also, don't forget to connect with us on all social media platforms at Living African Podcast. You can also connect with Anyo directly on Facebook or Instagram at Anyo Farm. Thanks again for listening and let's not forget to be more understanding and nicer to one another.